church, our Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? So Christ is still on the cross. Behold, I stand at the door of God. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You're listening to Behold the Man with your host, Joe McLean. What we're gonna do and where we're gonna go, what we're gonna say and will we ever know if we're living for ourselves and we're living for nothing, if we're living for ourselves and we're wasting opportunity. There is a point and there is another way to live. There is a life and it's more than we could ever see, but it's a choice and it's not the easy way to go, but it will change the world and it will give it hope. L-O-V-E is the word we gotta spread. L-O-V-E is a gift we gotta give. L-O-V-E isn't just a pretty word. It's a remedy that's gonna change the face of the world. What's going on in the world? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on in the world? What's going on? What's going on? What's going wrong in the world? What's going wrong? What's going wrong? I don't know. We gotta get it together. Welcome back to Behold the Man. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be back with you this week. That intro song was People Still Die by Robbie Curtis. You can find more information about Robbie Curtis on my website and a link to his site at www.catholichack.com. Well, this week we're going to be discussing the gospel reading from the third Sunday of Easter. These gospel readings here in this season of Easter are just too deep and rich to pass up. And so I have placed our study of a father who keeps his promises on hold until we till we finish up the Easter season because there's so much material here that I just can't wait to, to share it with you. Sitting in Mass this past weekend listening to this gospel and the homily given by our deacon was just inspiring to me. So I, I wanted to discuss this uh, St. John's Gospel, Chapter 21, with you today on today's Behold the Man show. Like always, let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory and praise to you, Almighty God. We come before you today, and we, we humbly ask for your, for your guidance as we dive deep into St. John's Gospel, Chapter 21. We pray that you'll send forth the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and to bring us the truths, the revelation that you have provided to your holy church through your shepherd, St. Peter that you have restored through the cross of Christ. We ask for his intercession today. St. Peter, please pray for us as we seek to understand more of this beautiful word of God given to us and handed down through the church through these so many centuries. We ask also Our Lady's intercession. 
and her prayer, especially for the successor of St. Peter, Pope Benedict XVI, who is facing so many criticisms and challenges these days. May Our Lady pray for his strength that he will continue to shepherd the church of her Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Feed my sheep. These are the impressive words of our Lord Jesus Christ today that he gives to St. Peter. Let us begin by looking at this gospel passage. In St. John's Gospel, chapter 21, starting in verse 1, it says, quote, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, quote, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now let's just start there. Right away in verse 1, we hear that Jesus was going to reveal himself to, to the disciples again, but this time by the Sea of Tiberias. Now the Sea of Tiberias is just another name for the Sea of Galilee. So we know that this is in Galilee. Now this is important, I'll tell you why. Because if we connect this to St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verse 32, we know that there is a prediction of our Lord that he would, he would be persecuted, but after his resurrection, that he would go before them in Galilee. We also, we, we know that after he is raised from the dead, he tells Mary Magdalene that go and tell the, the disciples, my brethren, you know, that I'll go before them in Galilee. So our Lord was predicting that he would appear before his disciples in Galilee. Now this Matthew chapter 26, verse 32 is very significant because in that passage, we read that, that, the, that the shepherd would be struck and as a result, the flock would be scattered because Jesus would be arrested and then persecuted and then hung on a cross to die. He knew, and he actually said this to St. Peter and the rest, that they would all scatter, that they would, they would uh, be scandalized by what was about to happen. And then immediately Peter says, no, I will not deny you. No way. I'm not going to turn away from you. Even if I have to go to, to the cross with you, I will not deny you, Lord. <laughs> and then Jesus turns around and, and predicts that uh, not only will he deny him, but he will deny him three times. So this is a very key parallel passage to St. John chapter 21. As we get into this, you'll see more of this. But it, uh, verse 1 tells us right away that this is a fulfillment of that verse, Matthew 26, verse 32. In uh, verses 2 and 3, we know that Simon Peter wants to go fishing. Now, uh, there are several commentaries where we read of this in a sort of a symbolic way, that the communion with Peter is pronounced here, that Peter is named first. Again, every single time the disciples or the apostles are listed in the Gospels, it's always Peter first, and it's always Judas last. That's not by mistake. St. Peter was always preeminently uh, displayed in the Gospels, 
because he is given the keys to the kingdom, because he is the one who steps out of the boat and walks on water, because he is the one who wants to build the tabernacles on the on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is the one who wants to go to the cross with Jesus Christ. And although he is the one who denies our Lord, he is also the one standing there with our Lord in, in order to deny him. <laughs> Where everybody else runs and hides. It is St. Peter who goes first to the tomb of Jesus, uh, even though John beats him there because he can run faster. It is John who waits and lets Peter go into the tomb first. And so we always see a preeminence of Peter above the rest. And here again, we see that Peter is always named first um, above all the rest. Now, the others, they want to go with him. So there's a communion here and they go and they get into the boat with Peter. And so they're going with St. Peter. This is very significant. And the, the fathers of the church have, have sort of summarized this as the, the boat being the church itself, Peter representing the authority in the church and the others representing the communion with Peter in the church itself. So very, uh, there's a lot of symbology, there's a lot of deeper meaning wrapped up in just this very short one and two and three verses of St. John chapter 21. Let's move on to verse four. It says, quote, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, again, here in verse four, uh, we know as day breaks, okay, we know that they're fishing all night long. This reminds us of another scene, actually, where there was the drought of fish. In St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, starting in verse 1 to uh, verse 11, there we see a very similar scene where our Lord comes to the sea and sees two boats, and the boats were empty because the men were standing there washing their nets. Because, you see, when you net fish, you do that at night. And our Lord gets into the boat of St. Peter and starts to, and asks, says, put me out just a little bit. And he does. And he starts teaching from the boat of St. Peter to the crowds. And then he says, let's go out and let's, let's put down the nets for a catch. And St. Peter's like, man, I've been fishing all night and I didn't catch anything. But, but our Lord insists. And so St. Peter says, fine, if you want me to go out, I'll go out. And so he does puts down his net, and he pulls up so much fish that his nets begin to break, and he calls for the other boat to come, and they haul in the biggest catch they've ever seen. This freaks St. Peter out big time. So he gets on his knees, and he says, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. He recognizes that our Lord is who he is without our Lord ever saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. I am the one who is promised to come, the prophet that even Moses said would come. He doesn't have to say any of that. St. Peter recognizes who this man is and recognizes his own sinfulness and makes a confession here. Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Notice also that in St. Luke's Gospel, the nets break. But here, in John chapter 21, as we're going to go on to see, the nets don't break. So that's a pretty interesting uh, comparison. But we know that this drought of fish, this, this scene in St. Luke's Gospel, is also another parallel verse to the one we find here in St. John chapter 21. As we read in, uh, in verse 4 here, that our Lord was standing on the beach. Again, the fathers have also thought that this is also a symbolically uh, referencing that 
our Lord stands on the beach on firm ground where the the disciples being on the water are still a bit rocky. Okay, so there's an interesting uh, idea there. I'm not going to explore it any further than that, but I just found it very interesting as I was reading that in the commentary. But our Lord stands on this beach, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. I thought that was also very interesting that they did not know. They did not recognize our Lord. Again, that reminds us of St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 16, on the road to Emmaus, when they did not, these two disciples did not recognize our Lord when he when they were walking to Emmaus and they were discussing the, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and his potential and possible resurrection. And here comes Jesus walking up next to them talking with him and they didn't recognize him because our lord did not did not allow himself to be recognized and he goes on to break open the word the old testament all of the prophets and all of the uh the 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 the, the five books of moses he breaks this open and shows them how all of it the law and the prophets pointed to Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until he stayed with them as they were at evening and having a meal and he took the bread and he broke it. And then they recognized it, recognized him for uh, who he was, Jesus Christ. It was in the breaking of the bread that they recognized him and then he disappeared from their sight. They were given the Eucharistic bread because it was the same formula, the take, the bless, the break, the give, the same exact formula found in every instance in the, in the Gospels of the Lord's Supper or the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. So very, very significant. And so them not recognizing our Lord standing on the beach there in verse 4 of John 21 is reminiscent of Luke 24 where these two disciples walk uh, to the road of, of Emmaus. Now, we don't know if it's exactly the same. Maybe it's because the, the, the sun was just coming up and they couldn't see. But there is this mysterious figure there, and, and St. John is very specific about them not recognizing him, which makes us remember that story of the road to Emmaus. But we also read, we go on in verse 5, it says, Jesus said to them, Children, have you any fish? And they answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in for the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes for he was stripped for work and sprang into the sea. Now some more interesting points there. They, again, this as I said before, reminds us of this scene in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, of uh, the drought of fish, of St. Peter not catching any fish at night, and then our Lord coming along during the day and saying, put down your nets for the catch. And as I said before, in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, that time, the nets broke. This time, they don't break, and they haul up a massive amount of fish, very large fish, it's very specific. But what I like here is the use of the word children. Our Lord refers to his disciples as children. Children, did you catch any fish? Do you have any fish, children? And and this is found in what, uh, verse, what is that, verse 5 there? Yeah, verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, have you any fish? And they answered him, No. Now, that word, children, 
Okay, that is a Greek word used there. It's padion, and that's uh, Strong's reference number 3813. It basically means an infant, and or it's also figuratively used as a, a an immature Christian. We see the same word being used in St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, where these children were being brought to our Lord. Okay, and the same Greek word padion, meaning infants, was used here. Okay, but in that particular passage, it was the disciples who rebuked them for bringing the children, the pation, the infants to our Lord. And what happens? Our Lord says, let the children come to me because he wanted to lay hands on them. He wanted the children to come to me, Lord Jesus Christ. Right? I just found that to be very, very interesting as a parallel passage to St. John's Gospel, chapter 21. I'll tell you why. Because in that, in that passage of St. Matthew 19, it was the disciples who rebuked these, these people who brought the children. And here we are, as the table turns, or the, the, the coin is flipped to the other side, in John chapter 21, it is our Lord calling them the children. You know, let those children come to me. And he's using this this same word, pation, to refer to these disciples. Like little immature uh, Christians, come, come to me. Uh, I just found that very, uh, you know, intimate, very affectionate, but a sort of a uh, an irony to the episode there in St. Matthew chapter 19. And he goes on to say in verse 7, The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes, for he was stripped for work and sprang into the sea. I found that also very interesting. You see, the detail that St. John gives is amazing. You know, it wasn't necessary to tell us that St. Peter didn't have much clothes on because he was working, right? But he goes on to tell it. Why? Because this is an actual event. And even though uh, some scholars believe that this particular chapter was added to the Gospel of John after the fact, it's still interesting to see St. John provide this uh, detail uh, in the story, in the narrative. But what I like here is the fact that St. Peter, he is so eager. He jumps out of the boat into the sea to go to the shore. Now, this reminds us, obviously, of St. Peter when he, when he was walking on the water, which we read about in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 9. It was St. Peter who had the faith to step out of that boat. None of the others. Okay, even though St. Peter recognized that there was waves crashing around him and it was a storm and he got a little freaked out, so he began to sink. And our Lord came and saved him and rescued him. He came to build up his faith. Yet still, he had the faith to begin with to step out of that boat. And for maybe even an instant of time, he walked on that water. None of the other disciples can say that they did that or had that kind of faith. And here again is St. Peter seeing our Lord there. It was John who says, it is our Lord. And based on that, St. Peter clothes himself and jumps into the sea. Everybody else, the disciples, they don't, they don't follow him. They don't jump into the sea and, and wade their, to the shore there to see Jesus. No, they come in the boat. And John is very specific about that. Uh, in verse 8, he says, But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, 
for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards. Again, very specific detail, okay? Because he's describing an actual event. And even though he might have added this after he penned the rest of the gospel, maybe he felt it was very important to include this information. And again, I just love that kind of rich detail. Peter getting clothed, the fact that they're only a hundred yards from shore. He goes on to say in verse 9, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Very, very, very significant here. The charcoal fire. Two things that are extremely important here. The charcoal fire and the fish and the bread. We'll come back to the fish and the bread, but the charcoal fire. Obviously, this reminds us of John 18, 18. As we said at the beginning of the show, it was it was St. Peter who denied our Lord, even though he said, I would go to the cross. He didn't say cross, but I will die with you, he says. So in essence, he's meaning, I will go to the cross with you, Lord. I will never deny you. And, and Jesus turns right around and says, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And lo and behold, by a charcoal fire, St. Peter denies our Lord there in John 18, 18, three times. And so here we see this scene of a charcoal fire. I can sort of envision and imagine in my mind seeing St. Peter after he's waded from the boat through the water to the shore, coming up to our Lord and seeing and then sort of encountering this fire there. And our Lord is standing by it. And we see the, the coals, the hot coals there. And Peter sort of looking down and seeing this, this fire and then his mind taking him back to that night when he denied our Lord, when he denied Jesus Christ, this is the man whom he professed to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God, to be God himself. Imagine the regret. Imagine the, the sense of pain and loss. This overwhelming urge to want to make up for it. This overwhelming urge to just beg Jesus for mercy, for forgiveness. So, so our Lord sets the stage with the charcoal fire. And as St. Peter denied him three times, so he's going to ask him, you know, three times, does he love him? That's what we're going to see. But it's also very specific. In Luke twenty-two thirty-two, we read, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned away, strengthen your brethren. Now, this is also a parallel passage to what's going on here in John 21. Why? Because in this uh, episode in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, again, it's St. Peter saying, you know, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to back away from you, Lord. I'm going to go with you to the very end. But our Lord knows what's going to happen. And he predicts this. But he's also saying, look, Peter, you're going to fall away. But when you do, I'm going to pray for you. And when you return, strengthen your brethren. He's pointing to this episode here in John 21. In Luke 22, he's pointing to John 21 in a sense, saying the day is going to come when I'm going to restore you. And you are going to be required to strengthen your brethren. Your leadership role is going to become prominent and pronounced and obvious. And you're going to have to step up and you're going to have to lead these men and you're going to have to strengthen them. 
Very significant. That's Luke 22, 32. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, St. Peter. He's not saying I've prayed for all of you. No, he says they're all going to fall away. But I'm praying for you, St. Peter. Very, very specific. I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, because he knows he's going to fail, but when you come back, when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. Very significant passage pointing to the fact that even though St. Peter shall fail our Lord by denying him publicly, that he can be reconciled to our Lord and still have a very prominent role, a very important role as the appointed shepherd of the flock of Jesus Christ, who is the chief shepherd. And we'll see that more specifically here in a minute. So I thought that was also very significant, this charcoal fire. Three times St. Peter denies and three times he's going to have to make up for it. Now, we know that Peter goes and hauls this net unbroken full of fish. And we're going to read that next. In verse 10, uh, our Lord says, quote, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. He's already got fish and bread there. Now he's saying, you go and get the fish that you caught and bring it and let's add it. Now, in verse 11, it says, So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Again, very specific. The net is not torn, but it's full of fish. It's also saying 153 fish. Now, St. Jerome, he, he, he says in some of his work that the Greek zoologists claim that the 153 was all the kinds of species of fish. And so it's speculated that symbolically what's going on here in the referencing of the very specific number of 153 in this net that St. Peter hauls over. Again, this is St. Peter bringing the net to Jesus Christ, leading this 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 catch, this harvest, because it was it was in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter five, in the the drought of fish. In that instance, when they hauled in the 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 net that was breaking full of fish, that our Lord said, "You would be a fisher of men." And so here again, when he's hauling this net in full of 153 fish, symbolically this could mean that that he would go out and bring in a catch of men from all corners of the earth, from every society. This is a a number of fullness representing all kinds, all ends of the earth. Very, very specific language. It's also very fascinating in my opinion. So now it's time for them to eat some breakfast. And that's what exactly what we see now there in verse 12. It says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. Now, this rep- this reminds us of John chapter 6, the same gospel only in, in chapter 6 when our Lord fed the, the 5,000 through fish and bread, giving it, multiplying it, but giving it to the disciples. And it was the disciples who fed the, the multitude. Again, the same specific pattern. He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. Now, in this case, we only say took and gave, but still, the, the, it still matches the pattern. It still reminds us of that great Eucharistic chapter of St. John's Gospel, chapter 6, when it's his flesh 
that is given for the life of the world. It is his blood that we have to drink if we are to have life within us. Uh, again, very Eucharistic. And so I would I would go on to conclude that what is it that St. Peter ultimately must feed to his sheep, the sheep of Jesus Christ? But the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ himself. That is what the disciples must give out to the whole, the, the church, the flock of Jesus Christ, his Eucharistic, Eucharistic flesh and blood. All right, let's we got to move on here. We're going to run out of time very quickly. Now we go on to read in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" And he said to him, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." He said to him, "Feed my lambs." In verse 16 it says, "A second time he said to him, "Simon, son of John, do you love me?" He said to him, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." He said to him, Tend my sheep. In verse 17, he says, He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Again, very specific language. Jesus is saying, Simon, son of John, Peter, the rock, I have given you the keys. You have denied me three times, and now three times I've asked you, do you love me? And he says, you know that I love you. Christ the Good Shepherd institutes St. Peter as shepherd over his flock. Not because St. Peter said so, but because Jesus said so. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we even see St. Peter reaffirming this issue, that Jesus is the, the chief shepherd. But he is the shepherd appointed, and so are the other priests and bishops. So let's pray for them. Until next time, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. May God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground.